Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 169, where in a moment we look at financial planning for the end of the tax year. That's in just a second, as I say. But please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. You can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we chatted money mindset. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to do to address uh, something that you need looked at and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and here's the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? I'm okay. You're a little bit under the weather with the cold. I can hear from your voice. Already. Yeah, just a wee bit. <laughs> so let's battle through. This one rings familiar. I think we might have touched on it before. Financial planning for the end of the tax year. And I'm going to front up like a dunce once more and ask you to explain what this actually is, first of all, because as a self-employed person, I've not long filed my accounts at the back end of January. So it's not that you're talking about, is it? Uh, no, well, the, the tax year, or sometimes known as the, the fiscal year. So in, in the UK, it runs from the 6th of April one year to the 5th of April the following year. A lot of countries, like say, Germany, US, they actually use calendar years for their tax years. But in the UK, we've always got to be kind of different. Where our tax year runs from the 6th of April to the 5th of April the, the next year. But the, the tax year end, it's important for, for a number of reasons. One of them is on the 6th of April, your new allowances and tax reliefs kick in each year. The tax year is also important, like you say. So if, if you're self-employed like yourself, for the current tax year, for self-employed people or people that have got certain circumstances, maybe high earners have to submit a tax return. If you have to submit a tax return, it's to be done by the 31st of January, the following year, and that would be the details for the current tax year that, that you would submit there. So that's probably what you've not long yeah, that's exactly done yourself. Right. Mm. Um, for self-employed people, the tax needs paid usually at the end of January, and then at the end of July is um, your your top-up payment there. So slightly different things, although the tax year is still quite relevant for, for people that are self-employed as well. So presumably these are steps that we can take to hopefully limit and reduce the amount of tax that we might have to pay at the end of the financial year, a bit of a spring clean before the next financial year starts on April 6th. Yeah, it's probably a good way to, to put it. And what you find is most tax allowances and reliefs run from April to April. And quite often, a lot of these reliefs can't be carried over. So if you don't use them, you lose them. An excellent example of this is like your, your ICE allowance. If you don't use that in one tax year, you can't carry it on to, to another tax year. Yeah, see, I always feel a little bit seedy or or wrong when we're talking about stuff like this. But what we're actually doing is using all the available options to help make our money sort of work for us as opposed to against us, right? So you mentioned ISAs. Do you want to do you want to start there, Phil? Should we go with that first? Yeah. So um an ISA, it stands for individual savings account. So that's that's what it stands for. So in the, the 2023-24 tax year, so this this current tax year, which ends on the 5th of April you've got an ISA allowance of £20,000. So this means that you can invest up to £20,000 in the this current tax year 
and you don't have to pay any income tax or capital gains tax on that money that you make. Now, you might think oh, for some people, £20,000 would be a lot of money. For other people, it wouldn't be a lot of money. But um, I, I know people that have saved the, the ISA allowance every year since ISA's came out. I think it was 1999, because that was the year that I started working in financial services. Um, so it's you 25 years this hmm. year since I, I started. It's nuts. But with, with ISA's, Sorry, I was going to say, um, I've actually seen people who've got, who are ISA millionaires. So wow. they've actually saved into ISAs the maximum each time. And the great thing for those folk, they're probably making quite a bit of, of interest or returns and no tax to, to pay on, on those returns. So that's the, the real benefit of ISAs. So as, as I mentioned, you can't carry over your ISA allowance from one year, one tax year to a next. So if you don't use it, you've, you've kind of lost that allowance. There's different types of ISAs as well. So you've got cash ISAs, stocks and shares ISAs. There's what's called an innovative finance ISA, junior ISAs, lifetime ISAs. But what I would say is that there's so many different types and, and kind of rules and regulations around them all. And that, that's where your financial advisor will be able to help mm. keep you right with all the, the different options. But one thing that I do have, though, if, if any listeners want it, I've got a document titled An Introduction to ISAs. If anybody wants that, just send me an email and I can send it over or, or post it out to you. My email address, it's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. So if anybody wanted that kind of, it's like an introduction to, to ISAs, a basic kind of guide to them. You can easily send that out to anybody that wants it as well. Okay. And I'll give you that email address again. Don't worry. Another massive one, and forgive me because I forget who said this to us. It was on one of our, our recent shows we had a guest on, but he pointed out after your home, your pension is probably the biggest asset you have when you consider you spend most of your life building it up. So how can pensions help us here, Phil? Yeah, I, I've actually seen quite a number of people whose pension is worth more than what their house is, is yeah. worth. Yeah. And so I have seen that on occasions as well. But pensions and retirement planning, it's such an important area. And again, I've, I've actually got a, a document, an introduction to pensions. So again, if any listener wanted that, just email us or, or get in touch through the, the Phil Anderson Financial Services website. And if you just say pension guide, we'll know what that is and, and send it out to you. But you can contribute as much as you like in a pension, but there's limits on the amount of tax relief that you'll receive each year. Now, th this is called the, the annual allowance and it's currently £60,000. So an individual, they, they can invest up to £60,000 in a pension and get tax relief on that. But if their annual earnings was less, they can only pay up to whatever their, their annual earnings are. So if somebody was earning £30,000 in a tax year, they could pay up to £30,000 in and get tax relief on it in, in that tax year. Although there are ways that, that employers could be able to pay more. You also have what's called carry forward. So what that means is if there's any unused allowances from the past three years, provided you were in a pension scheme, you can actually like almost use that allowances as well. So again, with, with pensions, good good opportunity to probably sit down with a financial advisor. They can look at what you can afford to pay in. Um, they can have a look at how much you should maybe be paying in, what you'll need for, for when you retire. At, at the moment as well, we also have something called the, the lifetime allowance on pensions. So that's like the amount that you can pay in and get tax relief throughout your, your lifetime. It currently stands at one million seventy three thousand one hundred, but 
that gets abolished on the 6th of April 2024. So for a lot of people now, that won't be a, a concern at all. But again, your financial advisor, keep you right on, on that sort of thing as well. Another good sort of financial planning thing that, that people can do is if you've got children under 18 or you've maybe got a spouse who doesn't work or somebody who may not be earning enough to pay income tax, you can invest in a pension for each of them as well. The maximum annual contribution you can currently make is £2,880, which along with the tax relief, when that's grossed up, the, the tax relief gets added and that would be up to 3600 a year. So we, we've got some clients that will pay in for, for, for example, children, and that, that's a good way to kind of start them off and, and get build up a pot for, for them as well to get the tax relief on it. So a lot of financial planning sort of things when it comes to pensions, especially at the, the end of the tax year. You're listening to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. This time out, we're looking at financial planning for at the end of the tax year. So ICES and pensions can help. What's next, Phil? Yeah, the, the, the kind of next thing I was going to touch on was inheritance tax. Now, the, the main thing to look at with inheritance tax at the tax year is what's called gifting. So you can make gifts worth up to £3,000 in each tax year. And these gifts will be exempt from inheritance tax on your death. Now, this only applies if you've got an inheritance tax liability. And, and also when it comes to inheritance tax, again, you can gift any amounts away. If you live for seven years, they then fall out with your estate. If you were to die within seven years, the amount of tax you pay reduces the longer you, you live. But for people who have an inheritance tax liability, they, they can use gift in. You can carry forward any unused part of the £3,000 exemption to the following year. But if you don't use it that year, then that exemption expires at, at that point as well. There are certain gifts that don't use up this annual exemption. However, there's, there's still no IHT due on them. So it, things like Wedding gifts, you can gift up to £5,000 a child, £2,500 for a grandchild or, or great-grandchild, and £1,000 anyone else. So if someone's getting married, you can give money away there and it wouldn't be liable to the, the inheritance tax within that limit. Individual gifts worth up to £250 are also free of inheritance tax, but it's a relatively small sum, but you should... Like use these up where possible to gradually reduce your overall estate if you've got an IHT liability. The the current inheritance tax threshold is three hundred twenty five thousand, and again, it's something I'd recommend speaking to a financial advisor about if you think you may have an inheritance tax liability because there's a lot of ins and outs when it comes to to inheritance tax planning. Yeah, and as far as inheritance tax goes, there are always various noises about things like this. And I know in real terms, it doesn't actually affect all that many of us. Uh, but being an election year, this always sort of heats up. And there's been the suggestion that we might have inheritance tax scrapped because that's likely to play well with your traditional Tory voter. Can you see that happening? And if so, how would it alter our planning here? Presumably it would impact the following tax year. There is a chance inheritance tax could be slashed or, or even abolished. However, one thing to note is that when things change, it doesn't mean that they might may change back again. They, I mean, you can get a different political party comes in and, and changes things again. So we've got a spring budget coming up on the 6th of March, so not long until that, that comes up. So it will be interesting to see how that goes. And usually in the budget before an before a general election, you normally tend to see tax cuts and giveaways. But with the UK, it's now officially in, in recession. 
And the experts don't think we'll see as much of that as perhaps we, we may have had that not have happened. But there's always lots of speculation. And, and in the past, people have said that they might do away with things like the higher rate tax relief on pensions, but that's never happened. And inheritance tax is another one that usually coming up to every sort of jetty, coming up to every budget or autumn statement, spring statement, that sort of thing in the past, they've, they've often sort of said, oh, will it change? But we'll need to wait until the, the 6th of March to, to see what happens with that one there. But again, okay. when, when there's budgets, it's a good time to sit down with your financial planner because allowances change, things change, and, and that may yeah. certainly impact you going forward. I was going to say, you know, we're talking about financial planning for the end of the tax year and, you know, laws and regulations might not change all that much, but allowances and things like that, they, they do. So that's why it's important, really. How does capital gains tax come into this one, Phil? Yeah, capital gains tax, another one where every individual is entitled to, to what's called a capital gains tax annual allowance. Now, that currently stands at £6,000 for individuals and £3,000 for, for trusts. With, with this, you can't carry forward this relief so you might look to crystallise gains up to a certain amount in a tax year. So I've seen some people do that. They'll say, right, we'll crystallise again, not pay any tax on that. And then they might do the same again the following year and the following year. Capital losses, it can also be used to offset gains. If you make a gain above the CGT exemption, taxes payable at 10% for basic rate taxpayers and 20% for higher rate taxpayers. Now, if, if a taxable gain comes from residential property, that's then taxed at 18% and 28% respectively. So a couple of different tax rates for, for that there. But there's other financial planning things you can do for capital gains tax. So, for example, married couples and civil partners, they can transfer assets to each other without the that counting as like a, a disposable gain. So that, that means that you let's say you had an asset in one person's name, you could transfer part or all of it to the other one to use up some of their sort of CGT allowance as well. So that's another sort of, not a trick, but that's another thing that you can can do to kind of pay a bit less tax. The the capital gains tax allowance in the current tax year it's six thousand pounds, but that's due to reduce to three thousand pounds from April twenty twenty four. So that one's coming down as well. There's also the possibility of utilising dividend allowance, isn't there? Yeah, you've got, so a dividend allowance, where, where that comes in. So for the current tax year, investors can earn up to £1,000 in dividend income tax-free. Now, at one point, that used to be 5000 so it was a lot right. more generous, but it's been reducing over time as well. And it's actually due next tax year from the 6th of April, it reduces from £1,000 to, to £500. But what that means is if anybody's got, so for likes of myself, I've got a limited company, the, the first £1,000 in dividends I take out in the current tax year, I don't pay any tax on. If you've got investments in, say, stocks and shares, any dividends you get from the, the company, again, the first £1,000 of that, you don't pay any income tax on. But like I say, that's reducing. So in the next tax year, from the 6th of April 2024, that's got to reduce down to, to just £500 wow. at that point. So again, for, for some people, if you've moved, Maybe got if you own some shares in a company, it's a way of getting a bit more kind of income or or money there tax free. So for a lot of people, they'll look to use that dividend allowance as well. It's a squeeze, though, isn't it? Now these are the the main things you focused on for today. But 
I'm wondering if there are other possible ways, perhaps similar to this, which might be specific to certain individuals given their own unique financial circumstances. I guess what I'm saying here is, I know it's always beneficial to, to seek the advice of a financial advisor. And doubtless, as you mentioned, you've got fact sheets on some of these items we discussed, Phil. But is it worthwhile getting in touch anyway to see if a financial advisor might spot something else to make your financial planning for the end of the tax year more efficient? Oh, definitely. We, we get a lot of people come in and they'll maybe say, oh, I want to deal with this area or that area. But really, you should be sitting down and trying to look at all areas of financial planning because it all kind of goes hand in hand. And I've mentioned we've got some of the, the fact sheets. I mean, we've got one, an introduction to pensions. We've got the one, an introduction to ISAs. And that really just helps people get to grips with the, the basics of, of these. But I, I do also have a fact sheet for end of tax year planning. So if anybody wanted any of those fact sheets, just say which ones you want. And I can either email them or, or post them. My email address, again, it's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. But at the, the tax year end deadline, you're looking at things like your, your pension allowances, ISAs, maybe junior ISAs if it's applicable, inheritance tax, capital gains tax, but there's so much more things that a financial planner can can help with as well. And I mean, for another example that, that I haven't really touched on today, depending how much you're earning, you might, we, we, we've got a staff member here who I actually had a look at their payslip yesterday. So they've had 11 pays so far in this tax year. Their wage was sitting at about 96,000. Once they go over 100,000, they start to lose what's called their personal allowance. So in each tax year, you're allowed to make so much money without paying any tax. So once you go above 100,000, one way that they can get that back down below 100,000 is to make a pension contribution. So if I was doing financial planning for, for them, I'd maybe be saying, look, if you can afford to do so, make a contribution into your pension. You'll get the higher rate tax relief on it. So it'll be a good like bump to, to that uh, payment going in straight away. And not only that, like because they then start to lose some of the personal allowance, the effective tax rate in that situation is really high. So for them, that's a bit of financial planning I would be doing for that individual. And that was just me purely seeing their payslip and how much they'd earn. But there's other ways financial planners can help. So if you're close to the, the limit for child benefit, again, things like pension contributions can maybe help you get that benefit back as well. So I, I would always recommend sitting down with a financial planner, not just doing it once. I always think it's good to to sit down with, with financial advisors and planners quite regularly to, to kind of see because people's circumstances change, all the, the tax rules change, the allowances change. So definitely good to, to sit down and, and review things. Do you know, it always strikes me, Phil, as being a good idea, and, and you can take this one and run with it if you want, where you do as Philanders and Financial Services a period of the year where you're saying, right, okay, we're going to do finance MOTs and you you run it for for this, where people come in and they say, right, just, I'm going to sit down, let's just go. And you, you know, you target a period of the year where, where they can do that because yeah. it, it seems to me something that, that might be, I don't know, maybe an annual thing, certainly, but it's it's something yeah we should all be doing more of now as we always do in your podcast Phil, we, we check to to see how this week's subject matter has affected your own journey in life either personally professionally or, or both so what have you got this week on financial planning for the end of the tax year yeah i mean one one thing that helped me i i sold 10 percent of my business around about a year ago 
But what I did was I sold 5% of it in one tax year and then a further 5% in the following tax year. And that was for capital gains tax sort of purposes. For me, there's also what's called business asset disposal relief. That used to be called, I think, entrepreneur's relief. I was actually a bit worried that they might scrap that. So that was another reason for doing it at that time rather than waiting longer because I was panicking, thinking, oh, if they do away with this, I might end up having to pay more tax. I might have got more from my business that I sold at that point. But so that was just a bit of planning that I did for myself over the like the last tax year and, and this tax year. So they always get the they always get their money somehow. But if, if you can make use of all the, the relief, that's the, the thing. On the podcast, another regular bit we delve into is Phil's quote of the week. Being a fan is Phil is of influential and motivational sayings and quotes. What do you have this week, Phil, on our subject of financial planning for the end of the tax year? Yeah, I've got it's an, an anonymous quote this week. Person doesn't know how much he has to be thankful for until he has, has to pay taxes on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, Phil, there's quite a few good quotes that I could have oh, used, but I'll, I'll, I'll use that one. <laughs> I'll bet. Um, is that one attributed to anyone in particular? Or uh, That one was an anonymous one. I remember there was an accountant I used to go to a networking group. He used to say, come to us um, where tax is a four-letter word. That was his, <laughs> his quote that he used to say every week. Phil is very keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if that's what you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a moment. I'll give it to you after this. First one is from Karen in New Pittsligo. Karen says, hi, Phil. Looks like it might be a year of massive change politically, both here in the UK and perhaps further afield in the States. I wondered how, if at all, this might affect the world of finance, especially investing. Yeah, I mean, that's a different political parties, I mean, they've got massively different sort of views on, on things and they can have totally different sort of policies. I mean, depending who gets elected this year, that'll probably have a big bearing on, on different things going forward. But what I would say in the UK is that interest rates have, have kind of stabilised now. Inflation's been coming down. Having said that, nobody really knows what's around the corner. Um, what we can do, though, is be proactive with the things that we can control. Whether you're circumstances, like whatever your circumstances, I, I would say don't hesitate to get in touch with a financial advisor for expert advice. An independent financial advisor, they can help you take control, plan ahead and, and stand you in good stead to improve your financial well-being, not just in 2024, but also beyond that as well. So, so like I say, it's always good to, to sit down with a, a financial planner. One of the things, just um, coming back on, on that question that, that you got there from Karen, one of the things that I, you, you tend to notice is when there's a sort of change in leadership, let's just say, I don't know, Joe Biden goes out and President Trump is elected or re-elected, quite often you'll see like a, a, a market jitter because of, of something of, of, of that magnitude. And, you know, financial markets will take a while to, to settle again. Is that something that, that, that happens with most elections that you see, Phil? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, but, I mean, th for this year, usually coming up to an election, governments want things to be, they, they want feel-good factor so people will, will vote for them. And that's why you often get, like, coming up to an election, you often get quite a lot of giveaways, maybe tax mm. cuts, that, that sort of thing. The, the UK's kind of officially entered recession. Now, markets, stock markets have actually been doing reasonably well of late, so you tend to find markets are often ahead of where the economic curve is. So, 
you, you sometimes get sort of jitters here and there, depending on what happens. So, for example, when interest rates go up, stock markets tend to go down because companies then their borrowing costs are, are more or they find it hard to, to borrow more money to grow. But like I say, interest rates in the UK at the moment seem to have stabilised, inflation stabilised. So that's all kind of positive news because it doesn't seem that long ago we were sat here speaking about inflation being over 10%. At that point, it was pretty nuts. But So things certainly seem to be heading in the right direction, although officially we're in, in a recession at the moment, which isn't a good thing, but um, it tends to go in cycles. That's that's one thing. And again, I've actually got a fact sheet on like investing in, in volatile times and we've got another one investing for the longer term. And that's what I would say about investments. They are long-term investments that, that we're setting up for people. Although, like you say, there will be some jitters in the, the short term as well. Next up, uh, here's one from Stephen who says, Hi, Phil. My dad is almost 70 rents his accommodation and doesn't receive a full state pension so can't afford to retire. My siblings and I want to support him as he gets older so that he doesn't have to keep working into his later years, especially as he does manual labour. At present, we're just putting money into savings accounts to prepare for this, but I wonder if there's anything smarter we could be doing to collectively save for him. Are there options for joint savings accounts with family members or perhaps joint purchase of a property could be an option instead of covering his rent in the future? Any thoughts on this topic would be much appreciated. One one thing that I would say is with savings accounts, when interest rates haven't gone up, you find that the returns on them have gone up better than than what they were maybe, say, a year or two years ago. Um, So that's a a plus point. And you also tend to find with savings accounts, the money is usually fairly accessible in, in most of them as well. Now, historically, investments in, say, property or equities they tend to outperform cash over a longer term. But because he's 70, you think, well, would that be suitable for him? Because they are seen as more longer term investments. So a lot would depend when you might need the money, how much you would need, what it would be for. Um, They they asked there if it was possible to open joint savings accounts with family members. That that tends to be fine with, with most sort of financial institutions. So that would be a possibility. I guess it depends like how much control someone wants over the money. Probably quite a lot of factors to, to kind of look at and, and take into account here. Also mentioned about sort of joint purchasing a property. So, I mean, that could be an option. But I would say one thing that you would need to be wary of here is if it could impact your own sort of affordability if you were looking to buy somewhere for yourself. So there's quite a lot of considerations to take into account. And I would say it's quite a, a complicated situation, but there, there's probably some pitfalls that you could could come across. So I, I would definitely say in this situation, I'd be looking to speak to a financial advisor so that they could sit down and not just assess the points that's in the question, but look at the wider kind of, uh, the, the sort of wider scope of things as well. You know, best of luck, Stephen. Hope you get your dad sorted. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a lot of topics now and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 169 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been talking about or anything else of a money matter, or maybe you want one of those fact sheets, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the 
Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too, or why not email Phil a question you can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's how you'd prefer it. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. That way you'll get us every episode with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time and thanks for listening.